Turns out Connection Podcast Network listeners, welcome to episode number four of Behind the Connection. I am JT. This is my show where I talk to friends and acquaintances and colleagues and whoever the hell else I feel like inviting on about their wrestling fandom and beyond. We usually just toss on some classic wrestling. It's like sitting on the couch with your buddy and just chatting it up. And I've tried to really uh, stick with the theme early on with my guests, and that is interesting characters. Rocco Martone, who really set the bar high. Peter Winston in episode two continued. Ryan Gray was a lot of fun in episode three. And here on Christmas Day, it's a Saturday. I thought it was only fitting to fill this slot with my normal podcast partner on Saturdays. And uh, someone who would continue to set that bar even higher is a very unique individual on the show to talk to. I'm done rambling. Aaron, how are you? I'll be honest. The real gift here is that I don't have to prepare much for this podcast. Well, it's funny because we, you know, we hit all our marks, but it, it's like a struggle lately between our two schedules to record yeah. a lot. And so, like, we had planned on something else tonight. And I'm like, you know what? Like, I don't think either of us had enough to prep. So I'm like, why don't we just do this? Because the one thing we've never really done, and I think back to the shows you've been on, like PTB. Noah's Bar, we've done Pod Blasts, The Rumble, but we've never really just like talked about like you as a wrestling fan and kind of right. where that all started, et cetera. Like I know you did talk and pop, but that was more about like theater and stuff. Yes, that was a very it, it, that that conversation went to some very strange places, but good, right. but 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 strange, yes. So I thought like we've never really done like the behind the scenes and behind the connection of your history as a fan and where it came from and why we are so similar and it's funny because i talked to you know ryan last episode he's about five you know four to five years younger than me but we had a very similar path uh to where we are today as wrestling fans so i'm curious because you and i i felt have always been like of anyone in the ptb north south universe like you know you and probably like tim capel are the two i always felt like the most in tune with as far as like our wrestling fandom and what we like and how we grew up watching and et cetera, et cetera. So I'm curious to explore that and see if it's uh, accurate. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause like even, I mean, I think that's why we're able to make like joint lists for GWWE and stuff right. like that. Like there's, there's a little bit of conflict in our opinions, but I think we tend to veer towards similar things. Right. I agree. Okay, so uh, what did you pick for tonight's viewing, Aaron, that we can fire up here? I picked the November 10th, 1997 edition of WCW Monday Nitro. Okay, so why don't we start, and then we'll talk about why in a minute. Um, sure. So this is available on Peacock, obviously, if everyone wants to pause the show for a moment, load that up and fire it up, or just listen along, because we'll probably not really talk at all about the show, as usual. Uh, but I'm queued up, Aaron, are you? Yeah. All right, let's start in three, two, one go all right so why did you pick this edition of Monday nitro i don't know i'll be honest i was shocked when you said it this was i, not I don't know i was thinking about something like i don't know like i i saw i was thinking like you know what represents me and it's just a it's hulk look hulk hogan's out and he's dancing with canadian flags in his boots right right so i don't know that seems to make a lot of sense to me it's something i haven't seen in a while my nitro uh viewing is not really up to speed like i'm i'm way behind on everything and felt like the right length <laughs> <laughs> all 
Well, you're behind on everything because you decided to do a podcast where you have to watch every Royal Rumble match like 35 times. I know. I know. Uh, your yeah. Fault. I took a break from watching uh, in between the two animals uh, entries to, to record tonight. So <laughs> okay. I did 1991. When this is done, I'm going to jump into 2006. And that's about as long as a gap as this episode will take uh, 15 years worth of wrestling. All right. So dial me back. Aaron, you're uh, we're same age, right? Or you're going to be 42 next year, right? Yeah. Okay. So same age. We're almost a year apart, I guess, though, technically. Your your birthday's in early January. Mine's in early December. So same age, but, uh, you know, it's like living in the same town, but being 15 minutes apart. Yeah, like you would have been in the younger grade. Right. Than me, but just barely. kind of. So, like, know? I graduated high school in 98. Yeah. But, but did you graduate at 18? No. 17. Okay, yeah, so we graduated. You do only grade 11, right? No, 12. And you graduated at 17? Yeah, oh, yes, so my, I guess. my parents started me. Like, you, like in, that, in those days, I don't think it's like this anymore, but in those days, you had a choice. So you could, like nowadays, I think if you're born after September or whatever, you have to wait. But I think in those days, you could choose to start early. So, like, I would oh, okay. have started at, like, four instead of five like my mom didn't want me to wait and it's always funny because i always think back at like it's such these little decisions in life that like could over you know change like your dramatically your path that you're on like Mm -hmm. if she had decided to hold me back a year how dramatically different could my life have been what i've had different teachers at times different friends because i would have been in different grades you know like so it's weird to think everything like everything would have been it seems like such a small decision at the time because it's like okay who gives a shit if he goes to kindergarten at four or five you know like like it's not that big of a fucking deal at that point but just think of like how dramatically it altered my life as to who i rode the bus with and who i was in class with and who i did sports with and it's just like when i graduated i started working like everything was different completely i might not be married like who knows like what would have happened right so yeah so if you're miserable it's their fault yeah, I should drive over there right now and throw a rock to the window. Yeah, yeah, at least a rock. Yes, the rock. I should pick the rock up and throw him. He's going to be around here somewhere. Just chuck him <laughs> through the window. But yeah, yeah so I, anyway, so we're we're the same age. This is where I was going with this. So yes. I'm I'm curious to, to track our uh, mutual wrestling fandom histories here. So when – now, I do believe you started before me though, right? You you were in, in like by 87, right? Yeah, so like in, I remember like my earliest memory of watching wrestling – was that my we were flipping because we used to get wrestling. It was always on Saturday mornings at noon. Right. Every so you'd watch cartoons and then it would come on after. But and this is never, when you say wrestling, you mean WWF, right? Yeah, superstars. Well, uh, WCW is not a thing up here, or wasn't until later. AWA. Oh no, if that was on TSN if you had TSN, which was the okay. sports network. But I lived on the South Shore and you couldn't get it. It was a okay. stupid thing. South Shore means nothing to anybody who's talking. Right. Just say, the, so because when I hear South Shore, I think of like Massachusetts, like South Shore is like on the water, Southern Mass. But so where's the South Shore of Canada? <laughs> it's not of Canada. It's um, <laughs> it's the South Shore of Montreal, okay. but it's actually completely to the east of Montreal. OK, yeah, we don't need to go into that any further. <laughs> so if you drove straight down, where would you land in, in the U.S.? Um, Straight down? Vermont. It's uh, Plattsburgh, New York. Oh, okay. So it's even further over than I thought still. All right. Yeah. I mean, well, Quebec is big, right? So like right. where Montreal is, um, you would, dr- if you drove straight down, you'd hit Plattsburgh. If say you said Quebec city, you drive straight down. It's probably New Hampshire or Vermont. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's a pretty big spread. Uh, before you even dive deeper, why is Conan wearing sandals and socks for this moment- monumental nitro? 
I feel like I feel like they didn't tell him he was going out there. God, awful. These guys yeah. just did not give a fuck. No, but they were. I mean, at the time, they were like the coolest thing in the world, right? right. They didn't need to care, and it was a good tease, like because like it was believable maybe that Brett could show up. Yeah, yeah, and they all look like such gloating assholes too. Right. Like yeah. they didn't do anything here. Right. Right. Um. So I, I remember my dad, not my dad showing me wrestling, but flipping through and saying, this is wrestling. And I think it was an episode where Jake the Snake was doing like a snake pit. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And I hated it. Which is like the story of a lot of the great loves of my life. Like, I was going to say, like, I feel like it's not the first time I've heard you say it's something you hated. Like the girl you hated that you ended up hooking up with or whatever. Like, I know too much of this, uh, your history. But yeah. My wife? <laughs> Look, I didn't say it. No, no, that wasn't her. Um, yeah, no, that's true. Like, I mean, like, I, I hated Chinese food as a kid, and then I ended up, it's my favorite food now. Um, I hated It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia at first. <laughs> so so it's it's a theme. Um, but then later in the year, I had this friend who wasn't really a friend. Um, he was kind of, that you were friends. Well, him I didn't hate at first. <laughs> but, like, he was kind of one of these guys, like, not quite a bully, but a bully, you know? And like, he, he's the kind of guy who'd be your friend one day and then try to fucking ruin you at school the next day. Oh, and that was the worst. It's like, yeah, like, yeah I had that like, going on too. Like get somebody who like, you know, get other people to dislike you or, you know, something stupid. So right, it was some so, level of like jealousy or whatever, basically in there. Maybe. But like, I, I mean, at that point, like I was kind of scared of this kid, you know, like, right. cause he was, was dick. And I don't know, through hanging out with him, he started, he showed me wrestling and mm-hmm. And I, was, and I started liking it. I was like, oh, this is actually kind of fun. And I remember he gave me an Andre the Giant LJN figure to play with. Right. For some reason, he had drawn a dick on his tights. <laughs> of course. So I was like embarrassed to bring it home because like I don't right. want to my dad thinking I'm drawing dicks on figures. Now, was right? the dick drawn to scale to Andre? Uh, no, it was more of just a little tiny dot oh. on his crotch. Um, and then when I asked what happened, what's that? He's like, it's his penis. Anyway. Um, so then I, I started watching on my own and my dad was like, my dad was really good about like making it a thing for me. Right. Like he's like, okay, well, do you want to go see it? And then, so in November 87, it was either the Survivor Series tour. I thought I was going to the Survivor Series. <laughs> Obviously I wasn't, <laughs> uh, but I, I went to a house show and uh, it was such a cool I mean, I saw Hulk Hogan fight the one man mm-hmm. gang and like I fell in love with it. Like it was at the old Montreal Forum. I remember walking through the subway with my dad and like having this convert. Like I, I just I could just picture him humoring me because I was like, what if the one man gang was like all of us inside of him and we were the gang? This is some <laughs> fucking philosophy. I'd ask you why you're the way you are. But yes, go ahead. Yeah, like I, I thought it was very deep. And my dad the whole time was like, that's not really Hulk Hogan. You know, they brought in another guy. That that was his Second whole thing. Hogan? Well, it was clearly him, but like his whole thing whenever we went was um was that's not him. That's not actually him. Right. So it was a, like a like when you go to parade and it's like oh that's not the real Mickey Mouse. Like was that his thought process or was he busting you up? Did he really think? No, I think he. So my dad was like kind of like a perpetual victim. Right. So I really believe that he was like under the impression that we were being cheated wherever we went. So he thought for sure, because it's Montreal, that you're not getting the real superstars. No, we're not getting the real Hulk Hogan. Or we, we got the real Dino Bravo. He was sure of that, because that motherfucker was there every time. 
I remember um, my, my cousins went um, to a, we always have like a, an annual show, like a tent show at the Warwick Musical Theater on like the Northeast tent tour they were doing the summer. So it really was just like a little melody tent type thing. It held maybe a couple hundred people, whatever, you know, a tiny, tiny setting. But they always came every summer. It would be like a six match card. And in 94, my my uh, cousins went with it's, it's an Italian thing, but my my parents, cousins, kids. So it wasn't my uncle, but my cousins, cousins, cousins. They went to okay. the show and um, they got back. And I remember their mom my dad's cousin saying they were like complaining because they're like, it was a fake undertaker. But I'm like, well, that's the storyline. Like, like they weren't <laughs> comprehending that that was the storyline. You know what I mean? Like, right. Like, well, it clearly wasn't the real undertaker. Why? Like we got ripped off. Like, it was kind of like that. Like it was a fake undertaker. I'm like, no, I know. Like it is a fake undertaker, but this was like early in the story too. So like, I don't think it had played out a ton yet with him on TV. Right. Like this would have been probably July. That's usually when they came. Um, or early August. So it was it was funny, though, because I remember trying to, like, explain it to them. Like, Did you say at any point, like, was he with Ted DiBiase? Yeah, like, it's clearly meant to be this way. But it's weird because my cousins were, like, fans. Like, I had gone over their house for pay-per-view. So it was just odd, like, they couldn't convey that accurately to the parents. It was it was odd. That's, but I remember having the conversation because I remember a bitch of my parents, like, oh, we paid to go to the show. And they had, like, a fake Undertaker. And I'm like, okay. Like, no, no, that's not the thing. But, <laughs> that's the actual story. But your story so far is interesting because I feel like every time so far you're the fourth person that's been on and including myself, the common theme seems to be our dads put it on and we started watching. <laughs> like, it's funny that that like is the constant, um, even though yeah. your friend was a, a driving factor, which was more for me, too. It was my cousin. Um, but it, it did start with like, my dad would have it on. And I'd watch with him. So it's funny that that seems to be such a driving force so far in all of our fandoms as like boys that grew up in the mid 80s yeah well, and, it, and it's funny because my dad wasn't a fan right like he right. Put, it, he put it on as like oh you might like this as opposed to hey come watch this with me right and and then i pulled him in and and i know that he was never really a fan like i never but he took me he would take me like every every few months right We'd go and like I I can remember it like it was yesterday. Like he we'd go to there's this store up here called the Bay. It's like the Hudson Bay Company, which is like mm-hmm. a big department store. And there was a Ticketmaster there. And like you know we'd go to the mall a lot. And then like my dad was very much a guy. Who, my dad was very much a guy who would like not tell you what he was doing. He'd just kind of surprise you, right? right? And so like we'd be walking in the mall, and then he's like, okay, come, and I'd walk, and then we'd he'd always like walk me to the Ticketmaster, right? Right. And then we buy the tickets. We wouldn't even know who was fighting at first. Right? right. And then I would spend like the next like three weeks, a month, however long it was like, like so excited. Right. To be going, you know, and I, I, I want to say I must have gone with him about. Uh, 12 to 15 times, mm-hmm. you know, which uh, which seems, I guess, not that much, but there was a uh, good like th- three, four year stretch where it was every few months. Right. And and that's got to be that. That must have solidified me and my my local video store having a collection of tapes. Right. Yeah, that had to be such a key. That's like an interesting one too, because that had a those video stores unknowingly probably grew so many wrestling fans without realizing it. Like oh yeah. 
think of just how many were able to dive in and go back that like i mean that was me right i didn't start watching 1990 so i spent the right. next few years like going back and watching all the stuff that they had from 85 86 87 89 and kind of catching up and everything and so you wonder just like again like how many you and me are there out there where we stumbled into it and thank you thanks to these video stores being the early youtubes right yeah to go back and dive into this old stuff because there was no other way you were getting it no and and we didn't get pay-per-views here Right. Oh, yeah. Right. We didn't get pay-per-views till 1992, at least in Quebec. Maybe in Ontario we had them earlier, but we didn't get them till 92. And so, like, we're always cutting. And there was no internet. That's the other thing, right? Right. So the only info we got was like, uh, what was on uh, the update? Yes. Superstars, right? Or you'd rent tapes. And for me, another driving factor very early was the magazines. The yeah, WS I was gonna magazine. say the magazine. Yeah. Yeah, like my dad bought me. It's like the February or March '88. It's the one with Andre the Giant's face on it. Mm-hmm. He just looks fucking hideous in it, but yeah, he bought this, yeah, like it's on my wall actually now. Um, but we bought this magazine and, and so every month he'd also take me to this, um, this little, uh, convenience store and buy me, uh, the wrestling magazine. God, it's again, it's like this common story of like, you know, every month go to the, you know, racking at the magazine. But this is the stuff that drove the fandom, just like today's fans, kids growing up or getting driven by YouTube and, the, you know, streaming and the Internet. Like for us, it was all magazines and renting videotapes and Saturday mornings. Like it's it's just funny to hear like these common themes keep popping up. So did you have access to like the like after I know they're not all after, but after mags or is it mainly just ODF magazine? Well, I was – so I was very much given most of the – so I couldn't – we never bought the after mags. Right. But I, but I remember going to a used bookstore once, and they had like racks of used wrestling magazines, mm-hmm. and the after mags were in there. So I remember buying a bunch with like Hogan or someone I recognized on the cover or asking for it, but they were like, like a buck each or something, right? Right. Uh, and that's where I saw Flair for the first time. And in all my magazines, he was always ranked number one in the rankings at the end. Yep. And I couldn't understand it. Like, how is it not Hulk Hogan? How is it not Randy Savage? How is it not the Ultimate Warrior? So every now and then, um, after that, I would buy an after magazine, but very few and far between. That was more a um, late 90s thing for me. Right. Yeah, I mean, those things fueled me, I would say, as early as 91 on like i had a lot of those that i would buy and if i didn't buy them i was at least and i think i was saying this at um with ryan would be like just sitting at the front of the grocery store while my parents shopped right like that was oh, right yeah a common thing too right just like yeah and, and it's funny how different the 80s were from now but like back then it wasn't completely normal like you'd be eight eight nine years old ten years old whatever 11 and just get be able to set the bench at the front of the grocery store while your mom shopped for you know 25 minutes and just read wrestling magazines yeah i i mean that was such a cool time but i hated that the magazine was black and white right yeah yeah like i as a kid i was like what i don't want to read the fucking newspaper like you know like that's one of the things i have to read at home this isn't special anymore and then like you'd see like the blood and you're like oh but it's black and white you don't get to see it like sometimes though it made it feel like almost more like you say newspaper but almost made it feel more legitimate because of it well, I think it already felt more legitimate because, at least from my vantage point, coming from like I'm watching only WWF, now all of a sudden they're talking about all these other guys and the WWF. Right. So, like, I don't want to say that I knew at the time it was an objective source, not, not that it was, right? But, but like, the idea that it covered other things was like, 
made it kind of news as opposed to part of the show. Right. So you, you, you know, I started going to live shows pretty early on as a fan consistently. And you're in a place where they were coming consistently, which is cool in Montreal. Yeah. So first pay-per-view, you don't get till 92. So from 86 to 92, you're pretty much exclusively watching superstars like did you get prime time up there or no anything like that no okay no so, sometimes well we get maple leaf wrestling right which is like maybe it was matches from prime time but it basically it basically watched like another superstars um but what we did get was saturday night's main event and the main event mm-hmm. and the slammy awards for some reason and i had that on tape and i watched that slammy awards like where rick rude takes off his pants I've watched that one a billion times for some reason. Yeah, I got nothing. You just want to see Rick Rude out of his pants. I don't know. I don't know what it was. I, there was something about, oh, my God, am I actually going to get to see his penis? Right. And not like, just a dot on his pants. Did you find as a, as a – with your friends as children, mm-hmm. did you show each other your penises? Uh, Yeah, I think that's a pretty common thing. Okay, good, good, okay, good. I mean, my son walks out, walks around with his out, like, all day. It's like living with D'Amato. It's like, it's all he talks about is his penis. Right, but your son, like, it's one thing for him to walk around the house. It's another, like, hey, we're doing a sleepover. Okay, it's time for everybody to show each other their penises. Yeah, I think he would do that. And I think okay. that, you know, I think it's a common thing. It's definitely, like, a level of infatuation with it, for sure. Was there dancing around? Uh, not at that age, maybe later. Like, to be perfectly honest, I'm surprised we didn't use them as swords and fight with them. <clears throat> right. Right. At that age. So, you watch the Saturday's main event, main event. So, you have access to some big stuff. So, you're yep. pretty much keeping track of it. So, pay-per-views hit 92. Did you instantly become a purchaser? Or is it like a fun thing where you couldn't? So, you still had to rely on the TV and the mags and all that? No, I got my dad to buy them right away. Like, uh, the first pay-per-view was the 92 Rumble. So that's like a super special show. For right. Me. Right. Um, from the perspective of it was the first pay-per-view I, I ever I ever watched live. Mm-hmm. But also I was really pulling for flair. So like, now so you're. Got, yeah. I was going to say, had you had any. Any access to flair prior to his arrival by that point? Or was it all these solely magazines and then him in WWF in 91? Solely magazines, then him in WWF. Oh, okay. And so in 91, when he comes in, I'm coming off of really like the last year being a huge fan of Mr. Perfect. Right. And so I'm already kind of on board with the heels and then he comes in and I just thought he was the freaking coolest flair. Like there's just something about it that, that I, that I really, really loved. And so I remember that pay-per-view, I invited a bunch of friends over to watch it from school and mm-hmm. they all hated flair. And I was cheering for him the whole time. And then, you know, I mean, obviously everybody's seen it where he comes in number three and it's the unlikely win. And But watching that in real time with people that were angry that he was winning and you were cheering for him was like Uh such a cool, cool thing. Yeah, it's funny because that was kind of almost my first one, too, because, you know, I started watching in April of 90. Uh, My first pay-per-view I saw live was Rumble 91 in my buddy Jim's house. He had the black box. But other than that, I didn't see one again until WrestleMania 8 live, which is then when I started seeing them regularly at my cousin's house. But the 92 Rumble, my dad was going to order, but we didn't 
order the Descrambler box in time. Uh, so that morning he tried calling and the cable company like didn't have any and he couldn't go get it. So I had actually ended up watching it okay. the, the entire thing on Scramble Vision. So that was like my first introduction to that commentary and why it's so burned in my brain, I think, because that was the oh, only way. Yeah, I watched the entire show just listening to Gorilla and Bobby narrate that whole entire pay-per-view from start to finish. If there was ever a show to do that with. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just crazy to think at that time, like unless you had a specific box like you couldn't even order the pay-per-view. You needed one that could descramble the scrambled vision. <laughs> so Yeah, see for us, it was like you had to be part of a specific company and they sent you like a a a box for all your television. Right. So we had a box, but then we needed I think we had a box, but then we needed the descrambler box. Or maybe not. Maybe we just had the cable wire and then we had to get a box. Maybe that's what it was. Hmm. Yeah, I don't remember. But I'll tell you, I watched that scramble vision like I was watching WCW pay-per-view scrambled into 97, 98. Easy. Right. I, I remember I watched every WF one, but not WCW. I watched WrestleMania 14 scrambled at a girlfriend's house. Ex-girlfriend. <laughs> yes. Well, because I'm not, have, I'm not, <coughs> we're not in 1998. I think I can say girlfriend. <laughs> because of that. Um, yeah. It's again, just, I hate to keep, being the old guy in the room but it's like just thinking of these things that we grew up with like crazy like i think it would just blow people's minds you know that grow up now how much how much pornography did you watch in the scrambled vision so like we only really got the spice channel i think and it wasn't much okay i definitely did try the trick of it was like put your VCR on channel three or four. Remember, it was like that. Did you have that whole scam? No, no. Did you had a trick to scramble it? <laughs> it didn't work, but it was like a rumored trick, like you would hear about at school. And it was oh, like connect funny. the VCR to the cable box, turn it to channel four, hit play on the VCR. It was some convoluted fucking thing. Some bullshit. <laughs> and I remember I ended up like ripping. It was like Home Alone or something. Like the tape ripped because I used an old VCR and oh. I was like, damn it. And the porn didn't even work. But but then Jim. Uh, he had the, uh, he had the black box from like a very young age. So when I would sleep over his house, he'd go to bed, I'd sleep in the living room and I would definitely put it on for sure. Uh, <laughs> like at his house. Right. Um, what would you have said if his parents caught you? No, nah, I, I don't know. Well, his house was interesting. So it was like, you'd walk in, it was, I guess a split level would be like the technical term, but it was basically like a ranch and but like the ad, I don't know if it was added on or something, but like his living room was to the side of the house mm -hmm. and you had to step down into it and there was like a door. So it was almost like you were in your own room in the okay. living room. And that's where I would sleep on like the pullout. They had like a pullout couch. So I would just oh. sleep in there and um, it was like having my own space. So I guess my point is like no one could really walk in on me. So, it, so like you're watching it with like the remote in your hand though, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yes. So yeah. ready to like shut it down at any second. Right. If I needed to, but I think they were like the type where they went to bed and it was like done like early. You know what I mean? Like they, yeah, that's a whole show, them, that family. Um, but that, that, uh, so yeah, that, and then I don't know if I've, I think I've told the story on probably on talking pop about the first porn tape, the pro football cheerleaders, but that was like uh got passed all around i found it in the street like I'm, some guy probably got got caught and had to throw them all out but yeah. yeah so 
Not too much because I, I don't. Again, I don't think we had it. I think it was like Spice Channel, and that was it. Like. Yeah, because we had like our scramble channel was basically pay per view. Right. So like movies, like so and yeah, movies. So like Cinemax and shit wasn't scrambled. You had to order it. You had to subscribe to it to even get it. Yeah. So like we had them as channels that were scrambled. HBO and Cinemax and stuff. We never had HBO. In fact, I'm pretty sure we still don't unless you really like order it special. No, you you can order it special now, but we never had HBO as part of as T as part of TV. You always had to have like a box that allowed you to get it. I'm trying to think back now if like we did have those scrambled. I don't remember. I know we definitely had pay-per-view channel scrambled and we definitely had the spice channel scrambled. Mm. That was basically the soft core. Right. Right. So 92 was a big pay-per-view year in my house. <laughs> yeah, that's when you dove in. So what yeah. is the first pay-per-view you attended live? Uh, the first one I attended live was the <laughs> the night before what we're watching. Okay, so Sorcerer's so 97. Yeah. Right, I want to park that because I want to get there and talk about your experience at that show. Sure. Um, but before that, I want to know, were you all in? This has been my main question to everyone so far. like, Because I'm trying to grasp how many of us stuck with it and how many of us had a lag so did you ever dip out in that stretch or were you in from 86 like straight through so it's hard to say Mm -hmm. like i'll be honest i don't necessarily remember because like so after i got into the wrestling with this friend like i got really into it right right i'm renting the tapes the magazines and all that and i wanted to always wrestle with my friends and naturally that just made me stronger Right. Right. Like I'd been bullied kind of. And now now I was getting stronger. And I I remember distinctly this guy, this fucker who introduced me like one day he tried to wrestle me and I fucking took him down. And he went and told everybody that I was a bully and that I was this and that. And so that ended up hurting the popularity. Right. And 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 then like there was this thing, this stigma about liking wrestling. Right. Like I remember in like I, I was pretty consistent till grade six. And I remember in grade six, I went to see a show. I'm, it was Flair. I saw Flair for sure when he was here. I forget who else was there, but that's what I remember. Flair was there, and I bought a championship belt and Bret Hart sunglasses. And for whatever reason, I brought them to school the next day. And um, the teacher was like, oh, she saw that I brought them. She's like, put them on, right? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, and then, and then I put them on, and she made fun of me. Oh, what a and then the cla- and Yeah, and then the class made fun of me. You should have put her in the sharpshooter. Well, yeah, I killed her later, but um, – but uh, so like it was starting to weigh on me to be I was starting to get known as like the wrestling guy. Right. You know, and as a 12 year old, that's not great. Like It's not a great moniker to have, especially like when you're starting to get interested in girls and everybody thinks it's stupid. Like if it, it's it's this weird. It's this weird form of entertainment. Right. That like. I, I don't get the level of derision for it compared to other things. Yeah, I don't either. Like, the only thing I can think of is, oh, well, it's fake and you're an idiot because you think it's real. But none of us have ever really said, like, after a certain age, you think it's real. You just enjoy watching it. But it is a ridiculous stigma. I think it's just always looked at as, like, a kid's thing. And that's the stigma for when you're an adult. But I don't get why there's a stigma as a kid. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. especially when we grew up. Like, you would think... It, it was like a big thing for kids, but I guess by the mid nineties, you know, for me and you we're like, we're in high school. So I guess for that little stretch, like it wasn't as cool. And it was kind of like, well, why do you still watch that? 
that was like for kids, I guess. Yeah. It'd be like admitting at 15, like you're watching Smurfs. I don't know. <laughs> Is that what it was viewed as? You know what I mean? Yeah. And, but, you know, when you when you look at the, the shit that people watch. Right. Like, I mean, I I remember a, an ex-girlfriend who who watched all like these bullshit like housewives shows. Right. You know, and it's like that's no better than this. You know, no, it's worse. It's it's she's I mean, a loser. No, it's but it's I'm curious now, like how kids I'm just not, I don't live it, so I don't know. But is it like still the same way with the stigma? Like I know as, a, as an adult, it is like if I were to tell like I still like I haven't said anything like people were like, I mean, like, right. like I, I, I still like don't really get into it unless I know someone's a fan. And even then I have to make sure that they're big enough fan to like, get well, into it. But I just I met these. Well, I met them. There are two of the dads that my kids play hockey with. Like they started saying I forget how we got on the topic of wrestling, but it came up and they were all like, oh, remember this guy? Remember that guy? Right, right. And I was just like, oh, yeah, I was like, I found myself fucking playing dumb. Right. Here's a yeah. podcast breaking out his candidacy for the top 100. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, it, it was that kind of thing. But I'll tell you this with the kids. So my oldest, Jackson, mm-hmm. like, I mean, he, he was into wrestling. He's been to shows. He went to WrestleMania. Right. And then like early last year was like, I don't like this anymore. Right. And then when I asked him this year, I'm like, what happened? What changed? He's like, I just can't get over that they're faking fighting. Right. And like, I, I remember thinking like, you watch... Like, you know, they're not fighting in the Marvel movies. Right. right? right. <laughs> yeah. I don't, it's it's weird. And I'm curious, like, how many are like us that just always stay with it and grow with it? Obviously, it's pretty big, right? Because, I mean, there's a massive Internet community alone. That's of like adults that are into it. But and how many just drop off? Like, what is it just you just get old? Because I remember like this happened with uh, with Roger, with his nephew. I remember him telling me, like, you know, he got super into it. And this was probably like th- around the same time Jackson was because he came to WrestleMania. Right, it was right. like it was like 18, 19. He was like super into it. And I remember telling me, like, oh, yeah, we're going to go to every show. And I'm like, I'm like, it's not going to last. And he's like, no, he's really into it. I'm like, it's it's not going to last. I'm like, he's just it's not going to last because I yeah. think for most kids, it doesn't. And yeah, within a year or so, like he was done. And I'm like, see, <laughs> I told you he's just going to move on. Yeah. And, 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 and was- I'm just curious, like how many. Is wrestling good enough these days, I guess is what I'm getting at, that it's going to retain young kids that stay fans for life? That's what I'm curious of. Hard to say. Um, I think there's just too much to compete with. Right. You know, like like when we were kids, like, I mean, I talk about this with Jackson all the time. It's like when I was a kid, there was only so much on TV that I ever wanted to watch. Right. Like I'd want to watch cartoons and I'd want to watch wrestling. Right. Well, we and didn't they have were, all the options either. Like, well, that's what I mean. They're on at limited yeah, times. It. Yeah, that was it. That's it. So like, but now he can watch whatever he wants, whenever he wants. And like, so now it's fucking bullshit YouTube, you know, like YouTube shows like Mr. Beast or, you know, like, yeah. and it's like, okay, like I don't hate them, I, th- I but like, there's like 10,000 hours of that programming for him to dive into if he wants. Right. You know, so yeah. I, I don't know. Like for me, like I was saying, like, I, I kind of like. I don't. I didn't lose interest when I went to high school, but I definitely hid my fandom, and I think that leads to losing interest. Right, but did you still watch regularly? Did you ever have periods where you didn't know what was going on? No, no. Um, I never did because I would say the because I didn't really watch '95. Right. But I would tune in every now and then to see what was happening. Right. 
Um, the only other period I would say that I wasn't watching was probably 2007 to 2011. Right. But even then, I was still following what was happening online. Right. You knew what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Because I mean, you would have you would have showed up on the message board around then too, right? Were you on the board before the podcast? No. Um, right, so I was always too. Uh, I was always too shy. I know that probably sounds weird, but like, I'm 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 much. I'm probably much more introverted than I ever come off on these things because mm. like, I, like, I, I don't know if even the first, the first time you and I met, like I came down to kind of meet you guys to like, right. To like, uh, go to a pay-per-view and we're out at a restaurant or something. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, everybody was kind of sitting on one thing and I was kind of sitting off to the side and like there it's this, I remember like it was, I think you called me over to kind of hang out, right? Like, Hey, no, come sit. Because like in my head, I'm always like, Oh, I just don't want to. I don't want anybody to be bothered by my presence. Right. You know, and that's probably not a great way to go through life, but that's just kind you of don't how to sh- show that concern. When I have to talk to you for 90 minutes at a clip. No, but you've chosen to do that. And I know you've chosen <laughs> to do that. Yeah. Um, but you know, like, so, so that's always on, on in, in my head that like, you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure anybody wants uh, to, to, to be around me or to, or to hear what I have to say. And so I never, like, I mean, I'd been on Scott Keith's blog since it started, you know, right. almost, right? Reading. But I would never, I would never comment, never comment, like, ever. It, so yeah. you're saying you felt like Van Hammer looks right now? Uh, yes. <laughs> what yes. the fuck is he doing? Yeah. Um, yeah uh, it, no, I mean, it's an interesting mindset to even feel that way with the anonymity of the internet. Yeah. Now, I will say, I also, I, I mean, I, I also stay away from commenting on things on the internet now in general, because I really struggle to let things go. Yeah. Like, I hate that medium for conversing and and arguing. And I just, I just, like, if, if someone's going to disagree with me, then I'm like, oh, I got to write this back. And then I'll, I'll wait. Okay, I got to, you know, I got to give a response to this. Like, I could never just let it go for whatever reason. Right. So that's probably plays into it too. All right. So let's dial back before we get back into the internet era. Um, <clears throat> trying to keep track of where we're at. So 96, you're kind of in and out. You're going Not, to Montreal though. So yeah. like, when did you ramp back up? Like it when was things this, got NWO, things got hot. Like when, or I mean, did you even have WCW yet at that point still? We did, but it was really hard to get. Um, it was the summer of 96. I ramped back up. Um, but it wasn't the NWO. Um, in fact, I, I had heard about it. Hulk Hogan's bad. Like that, that was weird. And I, I remember checking it out and thinking, okay, this is cool. But again, it's funny. We bring it back. I, I was going to my mom's cause my mom lives in Nova Scotia and I was going to my mom's for a couple weeks mm-hmm. and I, for on, I was going to be on the train. So I bought a bunch of wrestling magazines, right? I bought a bunch of PWIs and one of the PWIs I bought was, like one of one of these fantasy things like you know what if the companies face each other right yes yep and it was uh what if Shawn michaels fought the giant because they were both at the champions mm-hmm. at the time and i i, I don't know that magazine kind of like ah this actually looks pretty interesting now like wwf has all new guys like vader right. was there and and uh the ringmaster and i'm like oh i should maybe kind of jump back into this and so i got my dad when i got back to buy um SummerSlam 96 mm-hmm. and i loved it like I, to this day, like I know it's not that great a show, but to this day, I still really I could watch it any time because I just thought it was this really fun thing that completely hooked me back into it again. Because right. it's not that I wasn't watching in '95; I just wasn't as into it, right? right? 
Um, and, and I think it's because in the mid nineties, I really did not like Bret Hart and I really did not like the undertaker. Yeah. So, I mean, if you didn't like those guys, 94, 95 is not for you. Yeah. Uh, like I loved Owen Hart. So I love 94, 94 right. was a real, but 95 when it just became Brett and the undertaker and I didn't understand diesel. Right. Like I was like, Oh, okay. Like I remember when he won, like it being like, what, why? Like I, like now it seems obvious, but at the time felt like a stretch, but maybe that had to do with not getting primetime in raw too at that point. Yeah, I think not having so you when so when did Raw start there? I remember watching it in '96. Right, that's when yeah, I remember. So not having it in '94, '95 probably would affect because that's when superstars started to like in '94. Superstars still had some weight to it, but right, not a lot. Like Raw is definitely the show by '95. Of course. So I could see not having Raw in 95 definitely causing issues for you as a fan. Yeah. And then I, I oh, you know, I did end up buying Survivor Series 95. That's that's a weird thing because I kind of bought it out of nowhere. Right. Um, but I remember that because we got robbed and the tape of it was in the VCR. Oh, that's brutal. I know. And it was like the day after. <laughs> like um, Those tapes were gold, man, because like. You need it. It was rare to get something new to watch, you know, like you finally get something new and then to lose it. I remember my cousin taped WrestleMania nine and for some reason it like recorded like a little red line toward the top. It almost was like, uh, you shouldn't be recording this type of line. You know what I mean? Like where they kind of make it annoying for you to watch. And I remember he beat the shit out of VCR out of anger. And his parents had to buy a new VCR. My <laughs> he like got so mad that this tape, like, but this was it. Like we didn't have unlimited options. So yes, I've seen these shows a million fucking times because that's all we had to watch. If you wanted to, if you were a wrestling junkie yeah. in 1993, like I had my nine tapes to watch over and over or rent. And I couldn't just go rent anytime I wanted. I couldn't drive. I didn't have my own money. So it oh. was like, Unless it was Saturday, Sunday, or Monday, you know, if it's Thursday night and I want to throw wrestling on, like, I'm watching Survivor Series 90 for the 15th time. Oh, yeah. And we would we would also tape. We would, like, rent a second VCR and tape right. the tapes we rented, too. <laughs> right, yes. I, I probably shouldn't be uh, admitting this. I think but... statute of limitations. Uh, limit <laughs> Is there a statute of limitations on uh, on uh, the Survivor Series? Stealing the Survivor Series? <laughs> um but yeah, in 96, I started watching again, and I get really into Steve Austin. Thought he was just the coolest. And and I think 97 was just the year that probably locked me in forever. And that's just solely on the back of the Hart Foundation, Austin. Yeah, the only time I liked Bret Hart, I mean, I, that's not true. I liked him before he won the Intercontinental title. And then I liked him here, but like 97 was a big pay-per-view year for me again. And I think what, what helped there is that wrestling was starting to get popular again. Yes. So, so a few of my friends, and I feel like such a, it's such a fucking weird thing. Like it, it you know, it's nothing I would want my kids to do. Right. You know, like I wouldn't want my kids to hide what they like, you know, because someone is pressuring them, but they, my, my friends, some of them started admitting they liked wrestling again. So we started watching the pay-per-views together again. You know, so 97, I mean, I must have watched almost every pay-per-view live, except King of the Ring, for whatever reason. Right. Um, 
Um, so that that's got to really help too. Like WrestleMania 13 was like a special one, and even the the 97 Rumble I really still like to this day. I remember going to this dude's house to watch the uh, A Cold Day in Hell. This dude we all hated, but he was buying it, so we went. You know? We gotta go. Yeah, we gotta go. Um, yeah, but, yeah. I, mean, I I definitely remember it catching on more and hearing about it more for sure. Like you'd be surprised at the type of people that were watching it as it started to blow up and like people that were really into WCW too that, you know, had, you didn't even know wrestling fans. So that tells you that even they're up here in the Northeast, what their reach was for sure. Like I know people that only like WCW, which is crazy to think about right in the Northeast. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't think the NWO Austin and Monday Night Wars popularity is ever, ever overstated. no, no, look, it's so much, it's over, it, how big wrestling got, I remember sometime around like 2000, I mean, I know we're jumping ahead, but like one of the guys who like really made fun of me that day in the classroom when like the teacher got me to put that shit on was like, hey, did you see Triple H? Like, like it, 2000 I, to me is like, I think it was hot in 96, 97, 98 is like when people started watching, but I will forever think of 2000 as being the peak of popularity and pop culture acceptance yeah maybe that makes sense i think even in like 98 like it was hot and everyone was like into it but it still had like a stigma 2000 to me is when it was most embraced and maybe it was before that i don't know it may have started in 98 but i feel like 2000 to me always jumps out as like the year where it was like everywhere like MTV no. was in bed with it, and that was when MTV was still kind of cool. You know what I mean? So, like, if they were showing just, stuff. Wasn't just ridiculousness 24 hours a day? Right. Like, they still kind of ruled the pop world on TV in 2000. So, I feel like, I, and I think it was even before that. I, I mean, WCW is doing Spring Breakout and everything. So, I'm sure it started before that. But, I don't know. Just, uh, 2000 just felt like, and May the Rock has a lot to do with it. But, it just felt like they were everywhere. They were on SNL again. Like, it just, they felt like cool like it was just part of the accepted culture again in 2000. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think I think 97, 98 were the best years to be a fan. But I think you're right that 2000, it's like everyone else jumped on board. Right. It was like cool. Which like, is kind of sad because they didn't get the best. Not that 2000's bad because it's not. It's great. But I really think there's something special about that 97, 98 run. Yeah, well, and this is what I was trying to get at my question, why I've asked that to everyone is like, did you earn the come up in 97, 98, right? Because there's a lot of fans that dipped in 93, 94 and didn't come back till it was hot. But like, I feel like if you watch pretty consistently through those years, like you understand that come up and that wave and that glow up and like everything, like it felt so rewarding. And I, I with Ryan, I compared it to a, uh, like a sports team, right? Like you didn't stop watching, come back when they were a championship contender. You watched the full rebuild, yeah, and saw the guys come up for the minors and saw things get good again. And you got to enjoy that, like that season where maybe they just missed the playoffs or maybe they made it and went out in the first round. They weren't supposed to like sometimes those years are more exciting than like the years they win when they're supposed to. You know what I mean? And that to me, that's what like 96, 97 feels like as a wrestling fan. Like, yeah, you weren't expecting it to be this good all of a sudden because they had been so fucking shitty um, that it's like, oh, my God. And then by the time they're like on top of the world it's been like, all right, well now it's like, you're just worrying that this is going to fall apart. Right. <laughs> but that, that come up is like the fun part because it's like, Oh shit, it's getting good again. They're rewarding me for staying with it. And now here comes everyone else to join in. When is that happening again, by the way? <laughs> um, 
I feel like there's been blips that right. haven't been sustained. Like I think eleven, you know, and rewatching it. For, oh, it's good. It's way war. better than you remember it, right? Yeah, like you know, Marcus and I are doing it on WD War, which airs every other Friday. Uh, we're doing the eleven twelve season as our second season, and yes, it's like really good. And I, I feel like that was one of the closest they came. And it's not just because of punk. Yeah, I think it goes beyond that. But I feel like from a culture, because like, and I'm not trying in any way to take any part of sliver of credit, but like podcasts were blowing up at that point. Not blowing up, but starting up. And it felt like all of a sudden there was another new outlet. So like what the internet was for the boom and the attitude era, I felt like this on-demand audio and interviews were suddenly like going to fuel this set, this new run. And in 2011, all of a sudden you could listen to Dave Lagana talk about behind-the-scenes stuff and what it was like to be in creative. And you could listen to the law have special interviews and break down raw and hear way and John break down classic pay-per-views and, you know, all of a sudden like in Bill Simmons on the BS report talking wrestling, like this was all of a sudden like, Oh shit. Like I've always wanted wrestling radio shows, right? Yeah. Like you never had them. It was never was a thing. Sports radio never talked wrestling. So now all of a sudden I had on demand wrestling talk and I was part of it, but it was there for us in nine, 10, 11. So to me, it felt like, yeah, nine, 10 sucked, but 11 felt like the come up again with punk yeah. and podcasts and this ability to further expand your fan base, uh, friends, you know, as friends, not, not like fans of the show, but just like friends, fan base. And then it just, it just, for whatever reason, didn't take off. And I don't know if it's the lack of competition was part of that or what. And then I think it happened again, at least in our circle, I feel like 15, 16 felt like a big hot time. And and the only thing I can think of, there's, there's two things I can think of that helped that. One is NXT taking off in 15, 16. And the other is like New Japan. Yeah. Felt like really hot That's in that fair. stretch. And I think the indies too, like CWF Mid-Atlantic was catching fire a little bit. You know, like I think that scene was picking up and reigniting interest because I feel like and this may be completely anecdotal. The peak of like, not, not peak. Cause I think things are still good, but it just felt like a very unique time with like all our podcasts and the site and like all that stuff was very dialed into the current product. And I feel like that was one of the last times I was. Yeah. Yeah. I could buy that. Like, I think WrestleMania 32 killed a lot of that goodwill. Yeah. I think Daniel Bryan getting hurt really hurts too. Yeah. I feel like there was a big swell building from like late 13. Yeah. Into 15. It was like even WrestleMania 31, even with the Sting stuff was like really well regarded. And like people were excited. Like after Bryan had won at 30, and even with some shit, like even with the shitty 15 rumble, like it still felt like they were kind of there. And new, again, new Japan was hot. Like AJ Styles was doing his tour, you know, he had left TNA and was starting to do new Japan and ring of honor. And like, it just felt like everyone was like pretty into what was going on still. And yeah. I feel like 32 was a really divisive show and not that there's defenders of it, but I think it would like split 
like those who would stand by WWE no matter what type of thing, you know? Look, I, I, yeah. I think we're kind of dancing around too. I think it's the Reigns push. Right. Like that, I, I think the Reigns push, especially for fans like me, like, and I, I'd, I'd be curious to see if there's other fans that feel this way. Cause nothing to do with him. Cause I think he's really good. And I've always thought he was good, but it's coming off of 10 years of of Cena that, that like so many people didn't want on top anymore. Right. Right. Ten years of him being booed every show and him winning every match and 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 telling the same story every time. And then when it was time to transition to somebody new, again that person wasn't chosen by the audience. So right. I think it's the I think it's that again that 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 defines that era. Like he's totally the wrong person at the wrong time. Right. You know what? And and maybe it was because Brian got hurt. Maybe they were going to build this whole thing around Brian in 2014. And but I, I doubt it. No, I don't think so. I think he was going to always have the Foley run, or the Benoit run of um, you know, maybe the SummerSlam type of thing. Yeah. Benoit, who just murdered Kidman with a suplex to the eh, ring. Bad choice of words right there. But yes, um, yes. pretty good match actually with him and Saturn on this night show. It's been a pretty good show. Yeah. The. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong. And I think that's why 15 was tolerable still, because that's when they downshifted Reigns into the tag stuff with Ambrose. And right. it seemed like maybe they were peeling back a little bit because he's over when he wins a belt at the end of the year. I, I just think, again, even even not even the Reigns push. I think it's the way they handled him. Oh, Finley with the long hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's the way they handled him twice is what really fucked him up. Like they never would just commit and go with it. They kept trying to it's almost like they did the Luger with him where they'd push, push, push. And then right when it came time to shit or get off the pot, they would like freak out and do something stupid. So like in 14 or in early 15, they fuck up at 31 when they should have just had him beat Brock and, and just win the title. Like like that match see, worked and he could have been good. But then I they do it again at the end of 15. Like he got over again, teaming with Ambrose like it worked. Yeah. And like if he just wins at Survivor Series, and it's like it. fine. Yeah, but then they make they make him chase Triple H going into sixteen. And that's the problem because even at TLC he gets the pop. And then when he beats up Vince and Stephanie the next night on Raw, like that was like he was over. Where they fuck up is in the Rumble. Like having him lose the belt in the Rumble and have to fucking chase it again, and then have that dog shit match at Mania, like that was like the death now. Like. If he just keeps that belt, just have Triple H win the fucking Rumble without the title on the line, and then do Triple H reigns, and have reigns destroy him like everyone said, and I think like things go a lot differently. Yeah, I, and I, I think agree. you could say that like six different times for reigns. Yeah, I think I think that, I, the only thing I would disagree with there is I think if they if they give him the belt at 31, I think that show is looked at way differently. Like I, I really think that beating and him not winning contributes to how great that show is. Yeah. Yeah, because no one wanted him then, right? Like yeah, everyone... but I think he earned a lot of respect in that match. And I feel like they could have spun off of it if they have him win there and just like get it over with. I think that's part of it. It's just like get it over with. Well, that's but, the problem though, right? We should never be get it over with when you're trying to build your next guy. Well, I want to say get it over with because I think it worked. Like do it there mm-hmm. because it worked. Like I think that match worked perfectly for him because he takes such a shit kicking. Um and earns the fans. I think he just earned respect by the end of that match. And like, you almost like, all right, how can we begrudge this guy who just took that beating from Brock Lesnar? Like, okay. They would have. 
Well, I mean, yeah. look at how people booed Cena after Brock Lesnar did the exact same thing to him. In, in 14? No, in uh, Extreme Rules oh, 2012. It, it's really the same match. <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah, I guess. But everyone was sick of Cena winning by that point. Reigns was still kind of fresh. Yeah, but nobody liked him. But I, I, I see what you're saying. Like The bigger whiff was 16. Like, he should have just destroyed it. That is yes. one of their biggest fuck-ups in the last 10 years. Like, you know, besides Brian and Punk and everything else. Like, you know, not not having Reigns just quickly destroy him at that mania did a lot of damage, I think. Because that mania is already shaky. It's long. Like, no one wanted that 22-minute match <laughs> that they get. At a, starting at, like, 11.45 at night? No. It was just not needed. And, like, that that show is, like, the torchbearer of the modern-day excess mania, um, gratuitous, like, dragged out, we're going to do what we want to do type yeah. stuff. I think it'd be much better if that show was better, just better in general, right? Because, right. like, you know, a show that long with that match at the end would be tolerable if we had had, like, a four-and-a-half-star match earlier in the night, you know? Like, or, or or just a couple of those that, that, that could buoy the rest of it so you put up with the garbage. Right. No, it's definitely part of it, that the other stuff never really delivered. The women's match, the the opening ladder, Jericho, AJ is, like, the big one. Yeah. That they needed to step up and deliver. Yeah, and it's Jericho AJ was like their third match too, right? Oh, and Brock, Brock Ambrose, like that hurt. Mm, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think that that's definitely a turning point. But I, I don't know how we even got here. But like, I, like I, yeah, I don't know if it'll ever be. Like, oh, I don't know I, what it is right now. I kind of just offhand said, "Is it ever going to be good again?" <laughs> yeah. So I mean, if you're a kid, like, is it still a stigma? Like, I, I don't know. Well, look, look, if you're a kid, if you're a kid, right, because would you agree they're marketing towards kids or they have been at least? Yeah. I mean, I'll say that I'll say the attitude era and this is completely anecdotal. Yeah. Like I see more wrestling certs on kids than any time that I can remember. Yeah, it's true. But like if you're a kid, how the fuck do you watch Raw? It's till 11 o'clock at night on a school night. I think it's just watching the network probably yeah, or dvr like yeah you can watch raw on youtube you can watch raw on your dvr you, can, you know like there's a million ways to watch it now that there wasn't when we were kids we had to stay up till 11 or tape it if you had yeah. a vcr it's just a strange it, it's a strange marketing strategy on their part maybe not so much now because i think it, it is getting a bit away from the kids but like when they really went pg like it's such a strange thing to have a pg show for kids starting at 9 p.m on a monday right like, well, here's I, the thing. It wasn't PG for the kids. I mean, it was because of Linda's set, set run. I, sure. I mean, honestly, like, that's really why. Sure, but they were marketing towards the kids, though. Yeah, yeah. Like, Maybe, I agree. I agree. That, the, stuff then, so. Yeah. But, I mean, at some point, I, they weren't even PG. I mean, they were G. Like, like yeah. <laughs> I think in for a stretch there in, like, 9 10, I, I don't think I, I would say they were cleaner than PG. Yeah, and, and it's funny because, like... Yeah, 09, and it, it shows in the product. Like, 09 and 10 is kind of the death of the product in a lot of ways. 09 to, uh, yeah, I mean, 10, 11 to me is the worst stretch. Oh, that's terrible. Um, but, like, I, I think I've been lucky with when I've jumped back in. Because, like, like I said, I jumped back in, like, kind of mid-96, where everything was kind of new. And it was like, oh, this is cool. Like, and then I saw it grow. So, yeah, I felt like it was earned. 
And it was similar in 2011. I jumped back in because I'm like, hey, I'm going to watch the Royal Rumble. I haven't watched in a couple of years. And then I, you know, I kind of sat through the beginning of 2011, which is not great. Uh, but then as the year went on, like I felt rewarded as a fan. Right. And when did you find us? It was. It could have been far after that, right? Because I remember you being around like on the board. It was 2012, December. Okay. I remember because I was in, I'd gone to, I'd driven to Philadelphia. I'd never been. I'd driven down there with uh, my wife and my son was, God, he was only nine months at that point. And uh, they were asleep and I was laying in bed. So I couldn't put the TV on and wake them up. And then I saw on 411 Mania, there was a link to one of your podcasts with Kevin Kelly. Uh And so then I listened to that and I liked it. And then I just checked out the rest. And, uh, and it was that summer after that I did the trivia show. Right. And then that, that makes sense. Yeah. Man, 401 Mania. I wonder how they picked that. I don't know if we were sending them stuff. I, mean, I guess Kevin. Well, I, it was something along the lines of like Kevin Kelly. It was it was very much about Kevin Kelly. Right. Um, talking about something. That's what was the appeal for me. Right. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm curious how much those shows brought in. I mean, to date, they're still like our most ever downloaded stuff was like those interviews with Kevin. Well, yeah, there were shoots before everyone did a shoot, right? Right. Right. So, yeah. Fucking Eddie Guerrero Rey Mysterio match going on. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and this so uh, this is bef- after Havoc, but before World War Three, right? So this is kind of like in the middle of yeah. those two classics. I told you this would be a good show. <laughs> it is a very good nitro. <laughs> the all right so you stuck with it like what is your friend situation like like i know you're saying like others pop back in but like did they stay with it along with you or like did they drift back off and you stuck with it till 06 um i mean that's that's uh i uh, i lost most of my friends during that period like i I I went to theater school and and the rest of them, my good close friends, they went. So we only have to grade 11 here. And right. then we have CJEP, which is like kind of like a, a buffer between um, it's only in Quebec. It's a buffer between high school and university. Uh-huh. And in CJEP, I could CJEP can be used as basically a trade school, which is what theater school was. Right. And all my other friends kind of went into stuff at a different school that was just kind of like, OK, we don't know what we're doing now. Right. And I wouldn't say we grew super apart then, but like when I was about 22, 23, I was running my company. Like that's when I started my company and I would get together with my friends and they were still getting drunk and fighting. And, and, and I remember thinking like, I don't want to, like, I, I, I I don't want to go to jail or I don't, you know, it's stupid, but like, and I don't know, like to this day, I probably still have all kinds of unresolved shit about my friends and how we grew apart and like so I, I lost those and i had a friend in theater school that um i watched wrestling with uh he did he's the good dude who does or did um montreal to memphis with me uh-huh. reg reg quote unquote um and so we in theater school we we ended up you know i in theater school i was all in because i was in theater school from 97 to 2000 right so i mean that's the heart of it so we were right. watching everything yeah. yeah, we're going to bars and and watching pay-per-views all the time. And, you know, got my my girlfriend at the time, her dad had a box. So we would go there and watch the pay-per-views. Uh, and so for that period, I was like, you know, really all in with friends. 
And then, I don't know, like 2001 to 2006, I was pretty lonely as a wrestling fan. Like, I had my buddy Reg, but that was about it. But I was still okay, and I was still all in. Right. Um, so that's kind of the situation. And then if I had, because Reg and I had have had up and ups and downs, like real legit ups and downs in the friendship. And, you know, when that died out, it became very difficult. Because, uh-huh. like, before the network or before the internet, like, where you could download everything right away, I'd have to go watch these things in a bar or pay 50 bucks for them, right? And, right. You know, and I don't know. That became less important when... I wasn't talking to Reg, you know? It's crazy to think now, like, I mean, at any moment of the day, I probably have, like, 50 people I could message to talk about wrestling at any time. Yeah. And get a response and talk about it, right? Like, I got to say, like, oh, I feel like talking about this wrong and I message you in chat. You know, whatever it is. And I can just give you my thought. And then you do think back to those stretches where I had maybe three people. You know what I mean? Yeah. And two were probably faking it. Like, like, you know, and you had to call them. Like, I had to call them to talk about it on the phone. Yeah. I, like, my business partner, we he would watch pay-per-views sometimes. But, like, he wasn't into it. It's like we'd go watch the pay-per-views and we just kind of hang out. And, like, right. so it's not the same, right? Yeah. So, I mean, from, like, 90 – so my cousin started drifting off in, like, early 95. So it was really like me and my buddy Jim mainly into it, but we didn't go to high school together. So like we went through through eighth grade together and we didn't live like super close. So we would just talk on the phone every night. And like that was my wrestling fan outlet right. was me and him just talking on the phone for like two hours a night. And then I meet others like, you know, Andy, who's like he's like he's always been, though. He's like a casual. If I'm watching it and he's over, he's going to watch it. Right. But if he's home, he's not putting it on. I mean, like like that's. That's like where I was with a bunch of friends and Josh Richer and my buddy Rich. Like they were supportive. They weren't they didn't mock it. They didn't hate it. If I ordered a pay-per-view and said, hey, come over and watch WrestleMania, they'd come over and watch and be into it. But they were never going to order it or watch it or call me to talk about it. Right. Like I had to instigate the discussions. That's that's exactly exactly like my buddy Ivan. Right. Like exact same scenario. Like you invite him. He's in. He's not going to watch it alone, though. Yeah. Or, but he did when he was a kid kind of thing. Right. Right. Yeah. I'm talking, yeah, more modern high school on type of thing, like into it. But, and then, you know, I, I met Adam in college and, you know, he, he helped, that helped. And then really just meeting Scott, you know, three, but even at, at that point, it was still just like five or six people, right? Like I met him and Mark Claire and stuff. So like I had more, but it was still fairly limited, like yeah. of who to talk to. There was the internet, but again, it was a bunch of anonymous people, right? Like I was on Keith's blog as well, and you would talk on there, and it was like friendly, but you weren't like, you know, it was just different, right? Yeah, you weren't friends, but all I found all you needed was that one guy. Yeah, as long as you had that one at all times, you could get by. Yeah, like I, I feel bad if there were people out there that had like nobody to talk to about it, like ever. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Because it, again, it, it goes back to what we we're talking about earlier with right. this weird social stigma. Right. Like I remember a girl I was dating, like being like, like really denigrating over me watching it. And it's like I, I just don't get it. Like I did like you I, always just like bring it up right away, or did you like hide it? Um. I wouldn't hide it, but it, it's not like I'd be like, hi, I'm, I'm Aaron. I love wrestling. You know, right. Like, like I, I wouldn't hide it, but I, I was always a bit apprehensive, but it like, 
Like I, it was always a social, you know, I will say this. It was always a, it was always a social activity. Right. Right. So it was like, if I was like, Hey, I'm going out to, to watch WrestleMania 20 at a, at a friend's house, which is what I did. Right. A couple of us going over there. It's like, Oh, like whatever, you know, it's a social activity. But then when it's like, Oh, Raw's on, I want to watch it. Like, it's like, why? Right. You know, like I remember distinctly coming home from a trip with this girl and uh, turning on Raw just to kind of see what was on. And Eddie Guerrero had died. Yes. It, w- it was the Eddie Guerrero one. And I was like, what the fuck? I need to watch this. Like, just to kind of see and process. And... It's so weird because Ryan had like a similar story about Eddie. Oh, like, okay. I, I feel like that's such a crux point for people, too, of like the mid-2000s, like hearing about Eddie dying. Well, yeah, because it was a guy we all liked. A right. guy that we all thought was young, right? Like, I mean, I'm sure we could have been wise to that. It should be. I think it's like the death, the wrestling death that affected me the most, for sure. Yeah, I mean, Owen was big too, but everything, the, the momentum, I, I think it's probably just the timing because with Owen, the momentum was still going up. Right. So, like, you could get past it, but with this one, the momentum was on the downturn. Yeah. So, like, if you were looking for a reason to get out, you could you could see it. And that's why Benoit uh, almost really crippled the business like, because it was yeah. WWE not good at 07. Like, you know, it was it was fine. I mean, it was should say not good. It was good. But it wasn't like hot, you know, and like that's something that could easily taken it down. Yeah. I mean, when you get to 05, it, it, it wasn't the pay-per-views weren't must watch anymore. Right. Like they were all good. A lot of the pay-per-views in 05 are good. 06, a lot of them are good. Same thing with 07. The shows themselves are good. But if you miss one, it's not the end of the world. And as soon as you miss one, it's easy to miss two. Yep. And then three. And then you're out. And then you're you're behind. And you're like, oh, I got to watch all this to get back up. Um, so, yeah, I didn't hide it, but I didn't advertise it. It's interesting. When I met my wife, it was in the middle of the Attitude Era. So, like, we were friends for, like, a year before we started dating. Mm. And so like, she knew I was a wrestling fan, right? Because it was 2000. Like, like who gave a shit? You're in college. It's 2000. Like, you know, it's pretty, you're pretty open about it. Yeah. So that, that was easy. I remember when her and I were on like a break for a while in the mid 2000s, I had like a girl, like I was kind of hanging out with. And for whatever reason, like I was pretty, it's a weird time to be open about it. Cause I remember when, even when I started at a new company, like when I moved home to Rhode Island, and like I met a kid in training and we kind of became friendly. And I think it was within like days. I was like, yeah, I'm a wrestling fan. Like I remember like I had just moved home and I'm like, I have to go home during my break to help get the, let the guy in to turn, turn the cable on. It was something like that. And I'm like, you know, Raw's on tonight. And he's like, oh, you watch wrestling? I'm like, yeah. And I remember like this girl came over and I had my video shelf like in my house with all my tapes. I'm like, yeah, I watch wrestling. Like, so I don't know what clicked for me for that one year, like where I was like, didn't give a shit and just like was open about it. And yeah. then, like, I kind of turned back off again after. And, like, I don't think, like, anyone at work really knows. You know what I mean? Like, that I watch it and I'm into it. And it's not something I ever really bring up. But when people find out, I don't really get comments anymore. Like, my daughters, like, we've become really good friends with, like, a couple that my daughter and her, you know, their daughter yeah. are friends in school. And I think it was at one of my parties someone told them like I had a wrestling podcast or whatever. And like my first <laughs> response is like cringe. Right. Um, but they were like, Oh, that's really cool. I'm going to sign up and download it right now. And like, Oh, like that's cool. All right. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if they ever did or listened to it, but like, it's cool not having to hide it. Right. So when I was yeah. with him last week and with Ryan who came down, we went to a, a, a basketball game 
like I said, oh, this guy does the podcast with me. And he was like, oh, cool. You know, so yeah, like it's it's cool to have that open vibe and feel. And it's just stupid that we don't always have it. Like, yeah, I, I think for me now, like if you if I'm comfortable enough with you for you to come in my house. Right. You're going to know. Right. Right. Like I got the giant shelves with the wrestling figures. I got my magazines all up now. Like. Like, I don't, I mean, like, it's, I guess it's different with people that I, that I think hate me, you know, like. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a weird dynamic. Mm. I just don't um, want to give him another reason not to like me. <laughs> well, you're oh, he's good a, anyway. You're good. He's an idiot for not, you know what I mean? Um, you have enough friends now. Yeah, that's true. I, I have more friends than, than, you know, it's funny. Like, it, it is very true that, like, you know, you, as you get older, you don't you don't have nearly as many friends as you did when you were younger, but all your friends are just better. Like, I mean, I, the qual I, I really appreciate the quality of friendships that I have now. Well, yeah, I mean, it's less superficial and potentially flaky, right? It's like less flighty when you're a kid and even into your teenage years, right? Like. You're more yeah. likely to have someone say, oh, so-and-so can hang out instead. I'm out of here, right? Um, you know, we did the podcast, and he knows it because we've talked about it. Like, we did the podcast with Josh Richer, right? You know him kind of well now. And it's yeah. like we went through a lot of that type of stuff um, in our past where I felt there was a lot of times where he marginalized our friendship for others. Right. And But now, like, that would never be the case. You know what I mean? Like, we got plans, we got plans, me and him, and we're tight and everything else. So... I'm with you that you kind of grow out of that, like, onto something better type of thing. And maybe not fully. Like, I think it's probably still there on some level. But to your point, your friends are just higher quality um, because you don't have to be around them. That's it. Yeah, that's exactly Kids it. Kids are kind of forced to be around each other. Yeah, and there's a richness because you're really choosing who you're spending your time with. So I had one non-wrestling question I wanted to uh, ask you on air. Sure. You mentioned earlier in uh, a group chat that we're in that you did a play with John LaJoy, who is Taco from the league. Sure. Yeah. And I feel like this is a story that needs a wider consumption. Oh, um, okay. Well, it's not LaJoy, number one. La Joie would be his name. Um, so I went to theater school with John. Um, he's the year below me. Um, always thought he was a good dude. Like I didn't, I didn't know him super well in theater school. Like, like in theater school, the way it works is like, you know, when you're, when you get to second year, your, your schedule is just ridiculous. Right. So you don't have a lot of time to meet the people under you, which is odd because that's where I met Reg because Reg was in his class. And so just a guy that I knew in theater school, a uh, good dude, but I was really close with Reg and I was doing this play that I wrote. Uh, it was a year out of theater school. I decided to write this show and uh, my buddy Reg was going to be in it. And so, um, you know, I, he he had to come audition because I, I was working with a partner and she wanted to make sure he could do it. And he came to me and he's like, is there a role for John in the show? And I was like, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's fucking great. So, like, <laughs> of course there is. So he ended up being the lead of the show, who was the villain and really helped um, make the show great. Like he was he was an excellent, excellent part of it. And fun to work with, super nice dude, um, to the point where like, and I, I, again, I wouldn't say we got close, but we right. hung out quite a bit, you know, uh, in that, in that time period, like we rented cabins together, uh, hung this out is a fucking mind blowing revelation to me. Like, oh, 
I wouldn't know. Like, this is a guy, he's a pretty big TV star. I mean, he was like on uh, a, a very well regarded show for years. It's not like a one and done type thing. I mean, the league went, what, six seasons at least, I think. Um, it was a show I watched during a time where I've been friends with you and I had no clue. Oh, that well, you I mean, like went on vacations with fucking Taco. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I mean, like, there's probably like videos of us singing like really inappropriate songs together like, somewhere. Like, this is mind blowing. If I could dig up those videos, he could probably be in a lot of. Can trouble. you still reach out? You should reach out to him. We should have him on, a, on an episode to talk. <laughs> I mean, I haven't talked to him in years, but I'm, I mean, I'm friends with him on Facebook. I could, I mean, I've, I've wished him for happy, like we wish each other happy birthday right. every now and then, and like nothing. Hit him up, see that. if he wants to come on for a conversation. Beyond the connection, with <laughs> uh, but yeah, and and it's funny because you know I do tours in schools, and he was slated to be part of the very first tour that I did, right. but then he got a part on a French TV show. Uh, and he kind of took off from there and then he started doing his YouTube videos. And then once he started right. doing those, like kind of like no one ever heard from him again, kind of thing. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, then the league, I think he got on the league from those, right? Yeah. 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 But yeah, like, like, I mean, if anybody's wondering what he's like, I mean, I don't know what he's like now, but back then, like super cool dude. Like I, I'm, I think his family might've been very religious and I don't know right. if he was, but, um, it, he, he, uh, he always treated everyone so kindly and wonderfully and i think it came from having that religious background right yeah i mean he always seemed like like a cool dude i guess just based on interviews and stuff i've seen of him and heard of him but it's just funny because i mean i consider you someone i know really well oh yeah <laughs> like like of this group right i mean obviously one of my best friends you know even beyond all this yes and it's just crazy to me i didn't know you were like buddies with a guy that was on like a national fucking tv show well there was another guy from his class too he was in one of these fucking once upon a time shows right his name was sasha and he was uh, the complete opposite (laughs) like a douche from the beginning so and 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 they went to school together so you get all kinds right right uh but yeah um cool dude Hmm. taco corp what's your uh who's your favorite wrestler of all time aaron uh macho man randy savage my friend Okay, now shock since we both had him ranked number one on and GTV. I and I remember when I chose him, like it, it was like in '88. I think WrestleMania four just happened, mm-hmm. and my dad was going to order me a wrestling watch, and he said, uh, "Who do you want, Hogan or Savage?" And I was like, "Hmm, Savage." And then it just kind of went from there. What's your favorite match of all time? Favorite? What's your favorite? It's probably probably Brett Austin from 13. But I would throw some love to Vince Shawn Michaels from WrestleMania 22. I, I love that match. Mm. In fact, I would say almost any Vince match has got to be up there for my favorite match. Favorite show you ever attended live? For quality, it's probably the uh, the Ring of Honor show we went to, the taping. Yeah. Uh, the main event was the Young Bucks and AJ Styles against Cedric Alexander, Matt Seidel, and uh, ACH. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the weekend of the Royal Rumble. But for sentimentality, I'd probably say WrestleMania 35. Um, and even for more sentimentality, um, I would say six months before my dad died, I went to a house show with my son and my dad. 
and that was really kind of cool that was like a really nice um kind of capper like if i if i had ended my fandom there it would have been okay you know right right well i'm glad you didn't need you here (laughs) favorite wrestling memory Um, it's probably watching that 92 rumble, uh, with, with friends and and cheering. Um, I I also remember the night I was really stressed out. Um, so in 98, my dad had a heart attack, Mm -hmm. um, which, and he actually ended up getting 20 more years, which is great. Uh, but he had a heart attack. So he's at the hospital and he, he's like one of the ones who had complications. Right. Um, and so I was going to and from the hospital and staying at home and he was staying at the hospital and I was worried about him all the time. But then I remember that night where Vince challenged Austin mm-hmm. and I was watching it live. And for that two hours, I'd, I, I, I forgot about it. Right. Like, and that was really cool. Like really, really cool. The other thing I would say is I remember in the buildup to money in the bank, 2011, like I remember like the weeks before sitting in the not sitting well yeah sitting in the shower and thinking like how are they going to book this right and like actually kind of rebooking things in my head and i hadn't done that since i was like 20 and i think that really contributed to like really locking me back in in my 30s right also takes that one thing sometimes yeah biggest wrestling crush sonny yeah or oh no actually you know what francine Oh fuck, Francine. No, um, Christy Hemi probably. Oh, okay. As a crush, and it's it's crazy. I met them all. I met all the right. divas, like at a at a at a karaoke bar. So, oh, Sunny. No, she wasn't there. It was like what? mid. Uh, it was in 2005. It was the night oh, okay. the night Shawn Michaels did the um oh the, the fake Bret out. Hart promo. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, I had one more question, and I forgot it. Favorite podcast on North South Connection to listen to? <laughs> I'm like kidding. Um, no, I, my favorite to listen to on North South is the is your mailbag. Oh fuck you! All right. Yeah, but that's true because you know it's because I don't with everything else, and and I love all of our shows, right? But with everything else, I feel if I haven't if I haven't watched it in a while or haven't haven't seen it. I feel a little bit like not left out, but left out. You know what I mean? Right. Whereas the mailbag I can just listen to and you know, it's, it's an easy listen. Um, I would say to the viewer, I, I like viewers choice a lot too, mm-hmm. uh, but I like everything. All right. Last question. Favorite part about being a wrestling fan. Um, well, now it's the friendships. Mm-hmm. Like it's, um, I think there's something really special about wrestling. Like it, it's, it's not like anything else, you know, when it hits, it can be the most amazing thing in the world. You know, like, you know, I can still watch that, um, that my sacrifice video with that fucking stupid Creed song. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and get all teared up over all these incredible moments that happened and, and stuff like that. But there's just so few times that it hits that hard anymore right and so what keeps me coming back to it is the incredible bonds i've formed with people 
over this product, over this stupid fucking product, right? Mm -hmm. Even if we're bitching about it, you know, um, it's given me hours of entertainment, but it's also given me incredibly rewarding friendships. And I think for me now, that's the most important thing. Yeah, I mean, I've always said, because like, you know, I've gone on, gone on a lot of wrestling trips now, right, at this point. And I always see comments like, oh, I can't believe so, you know, wasted money going on this trip and blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, to me, these trips aren't even about the shows at this point anymore. It's about, seeing, yeah. you know, hanging out and seeing everyone. But no, it's the friendships is definitely for me, too. Like, even if it's just having like a five guys here to watch like the Rumble or something like that to me is worth it. And like having that now, because we didn't for so many years, you didn't have that ease of all of a sudden just throwing a message in a group chat and you know, five or six people like, yeah, let's go, you know, let's watch it, whatever. So, yeah, no, that, that, that's very difficult. And I would say even with COVID, like I've lost my, I've lost my buddy Reg, right? Like he's, right. you know, to, for, for people to come over and stuff. And it's like, it, it's totally reflected in my mm -hmm. watching habits. Right. Well, Hey, I had a lot of fun. Hope you did. Yeah. That's always great to talk to you. Yeah, it's not bad. Check out everything North South Connection. Like Aaron said, he loves it all, so it's all real good. Stuff drops almost every day. Facebook.com slash North South Connection. You can check that out. You can find all of Aaron and I's stuff here, as well as Chad Camels, the three of us. Uh, founded this site almost two years ago, and, you know, it's Christmas Day, Aaron, this is dropping. So just wanted to take a minute and just kind of say thanks to everyone who contributes content to this podcast network i appreciate all of the diligence and all of the hard work all the continuity um and even when i think one of my favorite parts aaron is even when someone can't meet a deadline or do a show it's always like a kind message and like i don't say apology because they don't need to apologize but it's never just like an entitled like sorry you're not getting the show you know what i mean like it's always like hey i'm sorry like this isn't going to, I'm not going to hit. Here's why. Like everyone cares, I guess what I'm trying to say. Right. Yeah. And well, cause I, I mean, I know from my vantage point, like, I feel like, I feel like I'm part of a team mm -hmm. and have a role to play in the team. And, and I feel appreciated on the team. And I, and I really hope everybody who does shows feels, feels appreciated too. Cause, cause I know I do. Right. So like, I think that, that, it's a cool culture that's been bred here among the people that do it. And it's a very underrated part of working with everyone. Yeah. And everyone's so just so easy going with the stuff and uh, they take pride in the shows, you know, like, so I'm really just proud of every show we have on here, every single host that contributes and has contributed. Uh, we have some unsung heroes too. Like I want to give a shout out to Tim Taylor yeah. from viewers choice. It helps with a ton of the editing and the logos and the graphics and the thinking behind stuff uh you know marcus has really stepped in and and filled the void too um, except for his i mean he's really all in on bret hart though right, shit he takes um you know, but you know as a person he's good and like it, it just yeah. a sounding board right and i've really enjoyed doing war of, of course jennifer smith does a ton of editing and stuff for us too and helps brainstorm ideas so just like some of the unheralded you know we always say like oh me you and chad are kind of like run the north south right but it's like those no. three contribute a lot too and that's not to speak of everyone else who's done tons and tons of effort and work like our iron man jake williams right like almost never misses a week or you know an episode of ruthless aggressive like that thing has dropped almost you know for almost two years like just about on target every other yeah. week and uh you know reesh and duncan have done an awesome job with our aw podcast to make oh, that yeah. hit every two weeks and 
uh, you know, Tim Capel is another guy that has really stepped in and, you know, we do the not a two and O show, but he is also like a good friend and a sounding board. So, you know, Claire, Mark Claire and Remso, right. Every other week without even thinking about it, second print drops every other Sunday, mm-hmm. uh, D'Amato who has, you know, carry the load in a tough year on this week in the NFL when cowboy and senior sometimes have to miss for certain reasons, he makes sure to send me a solo show. Right. Like, so it's like just the level of care and dedication about the feed, um, you know, and, and I'm again, just proud of all the content. A lot of it's evergreen, which is cool. So like you can listen to most of it at any time, anywhere. And we're definitely analyzing things for, for 2022 as well. Like what's going to kind of mix up. Is there some new stuff we want to get into the mix? How do we want to approach it? And at the end of the day, I started this initiative because I just wanted like my own little forum to do whatever I wanted to do. And that's how this show started. And I'm just going to do what I want. And then it spun into, you know, wanted to do stuff with Chad and you and give you guys forums to do what you want to do. And then it spun beyond that to just like you said, like a family producing content, you know, and it's across the board. I know I know I didn't name everyone. It's hard because if I didn't make the list, then I'm going to forget someone. So I'm just going to stop naming names. But yeah. yeah. Everyone who does a show and is guest on a show and takes the time, um, you know, is, is greatly appreciated. Yeah. And, and to give some context, like it's also like one in the morning. Right. Right now we've recorded earlier in the day too, you know, like, so like right. if, if anyone did get left off, it's, 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 it's exhaustion. It's not care. Like it's, it's such a great ego free environment. So, yeah. yeah. So we're going to roll it into 2022, our third year coming up. In uh, February, which is crazy. It's funny, we started it like right before the pandemic, but the pandemic also kind of fueled us um, because it gave us a ton of downtime to do a shitload of shows uh, that have branched out. So, you know, we're looking forward to the return of some stuff, hopefully as well in 2022 on top of new stuff and uh, we'll keep keep churning. So, you know, this is a great time. I really have been enjoying this show as well. I hope you all too listening have um, as well. And I know I've gotten some really good feedback on it, so that has kept me kind of trying to keep this fairly consistent. So check out everything in North-South. You know, leave us a rating and review as a Christmas gift. That would be nice. Share the word. Stay connected. Talk to you soon.